0: Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton and this is The Detail. Today, what's driving a spike of violence in South Auckland?
1: The gang scene is changing and evolving in ways that we haven't seen since the 1970s and part of that is rapid growth. It is
2: stunning. We've got a new form of leadership, got a new gang on the horizons and I'm not sure what, what eventuates from that. South
0: Auckland has a whole lot going for it. It's home to hundreds of thousands of people from all walks of life and cultures. But you don't often hear the good news about South Auckland in the news. More likely, it'll be along the lines of there have been four fatal shootings in South Auckland since March and over the weekend
1: there was a fatal assault in Otahuhu.
0: Last Friday, 23-year-old Faifu Siaozi was fatally shot almost a month after another deadly shooting on Darnell Crescent, less than three kilometres away. Another shooting in South Auckland has many residents
2: on edge. A man was also taken to hospital after being shot at a bar in Manukau.
0: South Auckland's reputation as a hotbed of crime isn't always deserved. But since March, there have been eight shootings, three fatal, in the area. And local leaders are getting more and more worried about it.
1: From my perspective and the gun violence, that's coming from gangs. I get a feeling of frustration out there too. People are frustrated that this has happened yet again, um, because it's not normal. This is unprecedented, even for our area.
0: Afeso Collins is an Auckland councillor for the Manukau Ward. That aside, this issue is personal for him.
2: Because my brothers, so I had one brother in particular who was involved in the gangs. And I'm the youngest of the kids. And in a way, Tom protected me from what was going on in the gangs. A lot of people still today, even my brother passed away about 10 years ago. But even today, people still talk about how Efeso is Tom's little brother. And so I wear that, I guess, badge uh, i don't know if it's a badge of honor, but it's certainly something that protected me growing up, so I wasn't completely aware of what was going on in the gangs because my brother kept um, helped to buffer it. What I saw though in the research that I conducted around ten years ago was that there were a number of gang youth gang members who were desperate to get out, and as I listened to their stories and heard about how they didn't want their sons in particular. To be lost to a life of the gangs. They were looking for ways out. And sometimes it's hard to get out. And I'm desperate because I understand those stories. I know what it's like for those kids who are sitting in church, who are often rejected by society, but they're accepted into the gangs. And that's why I'm desperate because my brother buffered me from that life. I went on to university. I was the first in my family to go to university. I'm now in local government politics. I used to lecture at the university. That's the potential that awaits young people if they're afforded the opportunity to stay out of the gangs.
0: When you hear about violence in South Auckland, when you hear about a a shooting or a stabbing or something like that, what do you think?
2: I think that it continues to tarnish our reputation because there's lots of good stories that come out of South Auckland. So I want to park that for a moment, but focus in on the part of us that is saying deep down within, this is not our South Auckland. We're way past this. And I think you just have to watch the news enough to get sick and tired of the stories and the way, in my view, the narrative around South Auckland is such a negative narrative. You know, there's a fire in Onehanga and the news says it's happening in South Auckland. Well, that's not South. It's not the South Auckland I'm aware of. And whenever it's a South Auckland story, it's always going to be negative. It's going to be about shootings. And that's why we're in the community advising our young people, this is not us. We don't need this rubbish on the news anymore. So we've got to adjust. We're not happy with the narrative. None of us are. And so we change the narrative by not conducting the actions that get us falling back into that same narrative again.
0: Is it unfair? Is it overblown with coverage of shootings and violence or is it deserved coverage?
2: Oh, I think it's unfair. Look, we, the Minister, the Associate Minister of Justice has come out and said that there's decreasing uh, rates of crime, especially uh, for youth, uh, amongst Maori and Pacific, where there's a an abnormality in the statistics, is that rather than the petty crimes, where that's where we've seen a decrease, is we've got an increase in the aggravated robbery and aggravated assault types of crimes. So, if you think about, if you peel that back a bit, what we we close in a bit, we hold it all in, and then when we got got nowhere to vent, then it comes out really badly, and so. The, the story I'm trying to get out is if we can work with our young people now, it doesn't have to be the overblown, and aggravated assault crime that gets talked about in the media. The prominent
0: gang boss shot at an Auckland motorbike shop has woken up from a coma. Killer bees president, Josh Masters, was shot at the Harley-Davidson dealership on Friday. A rival tribesman gang member, Augustino Tai, has been charged with attempted murder.
2: Poverty is a key driver in my view. When you get rejected from society, you're going to turn to a way of life that is going to accept you. And so poverty, the fact that we've got a whole lot of fathers who aren't present, and I know that it's tough for a lot of our young men because they've seen domestic violence in the house. Many of us grew up with domestic violence in the house. I grew up uh, with domestic violence in my home. And I understand that there are poverty stresses. You've got to be at work, you've got to have multiple jobs. We're not coming, we're not doing well at school. You look at the statistics in school, Māori and Pacific males aren't doing very well in school. So all of that adds up to I feel like this society doesn't accept me, I'm rejected by them, I don't belong. And so all the things that come out of good, which is like being a dad, you're going to miss out on. I think the poverty is a big issue, but it's just having a, a, a role model father figure in my life that's going to help too. And so if what's being modelled to you is aggressive, gang-like behaviour, then that's what you're going to believe.
0: So are we seeing an increase in gangs in South Auckland?
2: I think we're seeing an increase in its availability and accessibility. What I do know out South is that there's other gangs that are trying to set up. So there's intra-gang stuff that's going on as well. We've got to sort out who the gangs are in the community and what they're doing to entice young people in. But then there becomes the issue of when a new gang is trying to set up in your area, that becomes a little bit of a turf war too. And we've got both things happening simultaneously in Ōtara or around South Auckland at the moment. So it's hard to work with the gang leaders who are established, who have been there for a long time, when they're trying to protect their turf as well. And we've got to understand the cultural... Uh, variables within that, because that's the way they think. And I'm not sure that as you look in, if you haven't been involved in gangs, when you look in, you think, well, they just need to go away. These groups are very established. We've got to work with them.
0: Can the average person not involved in that feel the presence of those gangs? Like if you're just a a member of the community, are you aware of the inter-gang politics that are going on?
2: No, I I don't think you are. And I I would say that the majority of people out south aren't aware. of. They kind of exist alongside what happens in the world. And unless you're connected to a gang or you've been affected by their behaviour directly, then you're not going to know a lot about what's going on within them. What we do know, though, is that some of the stuff that happens between them falls out into the community. So a shooting that might happen between gangs means that it's happened publicly, it's happened in someone's street, and then everyone becomes really concerned. I know that will give no assurance to anybody, but often the gangs try and sort out their own issues between each other. And over the years, we've had the opportunity to go in and talk to those leaders. I've been trying to talk to them too, but some of them are fearful because some of them see me as part of the, the establishment now. So I might be seen as a narc. Uh, And if they trust me, then I might be seen as someone, well, if, if one gang tells me something, I'm going to go and release their material. So it's a very, you've got to be really sensitive in the way you deal with the gang leaders. The issue has become we've now got access to guns and we've got a new gang trying to set up. And the gangs are saying, well, hang on, this isn't, you're outside of your turf. And so my encouragement to the police would be, and you know, they don't need to listen to me, is to get rid and to keep the new gang from setting up, because we can have peace and violence with the gangs in existence as they are. It's when the new gangs try and set up that we've got issues. And what we know is the common have come over from Australia and they're just trying to set up. And that's causing all sorts of problems, and this is where it's going to get difficult and could spill out into the community. And that's why I think it's a real time for concern for all of us, because we haven't had this issue in a long time. I can't remember it in my lifetime, and now we've got a new gang trying to set up. We've got some people who are my age now who are leading the gangs. If they're a bit more trigger-happy than the, the old leaders who just wanted to talk, who could work this out in the background... Then we've got a new form of leadership, got a new gang on on the on the horizons, and I'm not sure what how that what eventuates from that. So there's a group of us who kind of have to step into the middle and wear the responsibility of talking it through. We're doing our best, but even this is new to us as well.
1: The gang scene is changing and evolving in ways that we haven't seen since the 1970s.
0: Jared Gilbert is the Director of Criminal Justice at the University of Canterbury, who's written and researched extensively on New Zealand gangs. He's also worried about the recent violent crime in South Auckland, and he wrote an op-ed in The Herald on this very issue a couple of weeks back.
1: Part of that is rapid growth, extraordinary growth, that again, um, isn't unprecedented, but we haven't seen it really since the earliest years of gang formation and maturation in New Zealand. It is stunning. We're seeing growth in many of the traditional gangs, strongly within the Mungu Mob, um, Groups uh, that have been with us for a very long time um, like the Hells Angels, the Heat Hunters uh, all, all significant um, elements of growth but some of our traditional gangs have are not just growing but they've actually faded and fallen away. So in this period of remarkably rude health for the gangs, there have been some gangs that haven't survived it and largely that's because they haven't adapted, uh, and they have been victims of methamphetamine use. but those who um have survived have grown, but there are all there's also um new gangs being formed. This has occurred in significant part because of some imports from Australia, so the rebels set up shop here set up numerous chapters throughout the country. Now, when I say the rebels came here or set up here. That's an Australia's largest outlaw motorcycle club, but they didn't set up here with Australians. They actually set up here with New Zealanders. And then, added to that, um, are the 501, so-called 501s, these um, deportees out of Australia, many with gang connections, who are um, establishing or joining gangs in New Zealand. So, you know, there are a number of factors at play, but the upshot is we're in a period of massive growth.
0: What else is happening when we see these resurgences? Well, the one
1: consequence um, of it is that when you have... And and, and again, we know this by looking at the past. When gangs are in expansion mode, you know, in a crowded room, someone invariably gets elbowed. And so we tend to see conflict occur with expansion. That's utterly um, inevitable, I would argue. And again... We're seeing that. Uh, you know, we, we oughtn't be surprised by it, given these conditions. That's always going to be an outcome.
0: Jared says that around 2006 there was a similar spike of violence in South Auckland, which he says makes for an interesting reference point when trying to figure out what's happening now and how to solve it.
1: What the government did is they funded, and it wasn't particularly expensive, they funded some quasi sort of social workers or or street workers kind of to detached youth work kind of people to coordinate existing services. So in this country, there's some really good things that occur within pockets of state agencies or within NGOs. They're doing some really important work on on sort of single issues, if you will, but what we know is that to get to the bottom of these types of problems, you need wraparound services, you need a coordinated approach, and so that is to bring state agencies together to work together, so they're not overlapping on certain services, so that so they can identify gaps in service provision, and then we can do the job, the very tough job, in trying to prevent crime, and so that's what the government did. They just put people in place to coordinate. The, the services, to see cooperation occurring within existing NGO and um, government services. And that's what they should be doing this time, because last time it worked.
0: Three years after those youth workers were brought in, there was a review. And that review
1: found that gang activity in South Auckland had decreased And that correlated with um, police data in 2007 and 2008, which showed that apprehensions for those under the age of 20 had fallen by 9%, while the nationwide average was an increase of 3%. So we've got some hard data to support that. During the period that the Youth Action Plan was in place, um, things were... Improved, dramatically improved. We can't tell exactly how much of that is related to the Youth Action Plan and how much might be related to other initiatives or other factors that are occurring in the community at the time. But the correlation certainly exists that the relatively minor amount of money, but just the smarter strategy that was put into South Auckland at that time did correlate with um, these these data. Um, One can't ignore that um, without question.
0: Short answer, youth workers seemed to help last time. So is the solution as simple as funding more youth workers again? Official Collins.
2: I think they're the start of the solution. And the people that who act as intermediaries on my behalf are people that I go to church with, used to be in gangs and then became youth workers, and so they're well-trusted. They're trusted by all the gangs because they've got someone who's not, in any particular government group or in a political party uh, who's not seen as the police, and they can talk with them. So youth workers is at the very front of what we should be doing. Beyond that, we need community leadership that's going to be trusted, and that's going to mean we work with people as much as we can. So the idea of where I'm trying to get elders to engage with one of the, the gangs on promoting language classes and culture classes... Is the first time they've ever had a politician come out, so I think they're willing to talk. There are people all over the city that we can pull in, and at different times you're going to need different people. But we've got to get the pe- the right people in there. And all I'm doing is just saying, man, here we are. I'm one of them. There's lots of others, but we let's talk to the people that you trust.
0: And what if we don't? Where do you? How do you see the situation as it is now developing?
2: I see it worsening, and. It may get to the point where the gang that's trying to set up just think, who cares? And they've got artillery, we know that. They've got access to guns. And if we don't do something now, I think it will just get worse. I don't know what just gets worse looks like, but I think with the number of shootings we've seen... There's probably enough hints in that activity to suggest to us if we do nothing now, it's not going to be healthy for our community. I have a young daughter. That's probably why I'm doing this. Because I'm fearful for her. And I don't want our kids to be caught in the backfire or in the crossfire. And I'm really scared for our children. In brain development theory... We are naturally tribal, and in the research that we conducted 10 years ago, the youth gang saw the police as a gang. In fact, they saw them as the most well-resourced gang in the country, and people listening to your show will be shocked by that, thinking, well, they're not a gang, they're there to protect us, but that's how the young people viewed the police. And so I think we are always going to be tribal in in our allegiances and the way we operate as people, because that's what the brain does. It looks for someone or something that looks similar to us, acts, talks similar to us. So we're always going to have these groupings. We get a lot of negative press about gangs, but I actually think they can do some really good as long as we're working alongside them. So I think... Getting rid of them or eliminating them, is I don't think that's ever going to happen. Some of the young people said the churches in South Auckland are gangs as well. So when you start to understand the way they conceptualise the world, it gives us the equipment and the armoury to be able to deal with how they're thinking.
0: How do you want to see South Auckland represented in news when you hear about something something south auckland what what do you want to hear
2: i think a hiatus might be nice just not have south auckland mentioned at all just kind of get us out of the news and let everyone reset and then after maybe a year of not having anything out of south auckland in the news start to talk about the things where lives are being changed where people are going into good jobs where we're not the poorest ward in the city where our people are flourishing and thriving, and that's how I want us to be represented. That's the detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The
0: detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave us a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Blair Stagpool and produced by Alexia Russell. Our associate producer is Keitha Masalamini. Masalamani. Kakite Anu.